Hello, and welcome to Geek Space Nine, the Tuscan Shed Media Network podcast where we discover and or rediscover the classic Star Trek series, Deep Space Nine. With me, as always, is Peter Dancy. How are you, Peter? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, we just we, we just finished recording an episode for MGP. Um, so let's and, and I've been at work all day, so let's see just how ragged my voice gets by the end of this episode. <laughs> You're pulling triple shift today, so we yeah, appreciate it, Peter. All the work. Woo. All right, we'll try to get you out here in good time. And we also have, but overtime is never paid. I'm so sorry, Peter. And we also have Sarah Becker. How are you, Sarah? Doing very well. Got my wine, been podcasting. We're good. Yeah. Very good. And I'm Ben Haworth. And this week, we are starting season five. Yay! Hooray! We had season five with episode one and episode two, which are Apocalypse Rising and The Ship. So, first up is Apocalypse Rising. Uh, there was no Apocalypse Rising in this episode, so I'm not sure why they called it. Yeah. That. But let's talk about this episode. The Federation is on high alert as Gowron and the Klingons have invaded Federation space. Sisko informs everyone that he has been assigned by Starfleet to expose Gowron as a changeling. He assigns Worf and O'Brien to the task, but Odo proves difficult. Since becoming human, Odo has become sullen, focused on things like bubbles in his drink over work. Sisko convinces Odo that despite his lack of shape-shifting abilities, Sisko still respects Odo as an officer. Odo, Sisko, and O'Brien get very good makeovers as Klingons, and Worf trains them to pass undercover. The plan is to use polar emitters to cause Gowron to lose his shape. However, setting up the transmitters requires four people, and the process can be done only once. So they plan to attend an Order of the Batleth ceremony and expose Gowron in front of all the Klingon High Command. They find Dukat, who takes them into Klingon space and is stolen bird of prey. However, when the holographic filter cloaking the ship fails, Dukat destroys the first Klingon vessel they discover instead of letting Worf try his deception. Because of the failure, Dukat leaves the team on their own. They get aboard the Klingon station and first seem to pass. Their first challenge is the hardest one imaginable. They have to drink all night long and not pass out by morning, something I've not been able to do since I turned 26. <laughs> Gowron and his right-hand man Martok arrive, and at first the jig seems up when Martok seems to recognize O'Brien. But he manages to convince Martok they met on the battlefield. After some more close calls, Sisko is about to activate the emitter when his alter identity is called forward. On his way to meet Gowron, he is knocked out by Martok. The four are imprisoned, and Martok claims to know they are with Starfleet. Sisko tries to convince Martok that Gowron is a shapeshifter, and Martok is swayed, claiming to have been suspicious of Gowron recently. He breaks them free and tells Worf he must fight Gowron to the death. Worf engages Gowron, but Odo starts to question Martok's story, as a real Klingon would have challenged Gowron himself. He realizes that it is Martok, not Gowron, who is the changeling. They wrestle into the chambers, and Martok reveals his true form. The Klingons respond by shooting the shit out of him, killing him. <laughs> Gowron now realizes impressive. Martok was pushing... They shot him so many times. <laughs> Gowron <laughs> now realizes Martok was pushing the Klingons to war in order to destabilize the Alpha Quadrant for a Dominion invasion. And the changelings tricked Odo in order to have Gowron killed, so Martok could rule the Empire unchecked. While 
Gowron will not give up the conquered territories, he does declare a ceasefire, and the Klingon War is over. The Klingons drop off the crew back on DS9, where their Klingon looks are reverted back to their normal faces. Bashir offers Odo the chance to change his look to whatever he wants, but Odo decides to go back to his old changeling face. What do we think of Apocalypse Rising? More Klingon stuff, but we're also kind of getting back into Dominion stuff, so I was I was okay with it. Good. Yeah, there was some nice connective tissue in, yes. in, in this episode where it was like, okay, yeah, it, it yeah, you know, it's it's once again a bit a bit more of Worf as we as dear listener you very much learned that we kind of grew tired of in season four but there was a purpose for it this time instead of it just being Worf has Worf hasn't exactly melded with the crew of DS9 how will what, how how will he fuck up today the Worf sitcom where Worf is like yes oh I have to run my family's bar these people are wacky <laughs> um. Yeah, I I think I definitely felt that this episode was clearly them like, okay, we're done with the Klingon War. And I was uh, certain of that once I read on Memory Alpha. Uh, Ira, the, the showrunner of the show, basically said that Paramount wanted them to focus more on Worf in Season 4, and they weren't really interested in it, which definitely explains why we felt it was very dull and not very progressive. So it was definitely a wrap-up episode, and normally I would think that was really lazy, but I think the twist was good. And I think the fact that you had two really nice storylines in it, you had a nice bit about Odo trying to be human, trying to figure out his place. And that was the whole like sort of run through for the episode. And you also had Worf uh, once again, confronting his past and actually confronting Gowron and almost killing him. And like, you know, a nice little bit from both of them. So that's what I at least appreciated is that there was good character stuff. So even if it was very clearly just let's wrap this shit up and get to the dominion, that's a real problem. Um, it worked. And, and I think it, didn't feel too much like that even though i know that that was the intention yeah right did they yeah what do you uh, think of the first since this is the first episode of season five did they like remaster the animation for the opening or something i felt like it looked prettier than it it has before hmm i don't know i know that they definitely changed up all the animation for four Okay, but I hadn't. Yeah, but I'm honest. But, but I don't know. To be I honest, might have I watched it the on intro a lot now. So oh, okay. Yeah, just because I don't like the remix song, and I just kind of skip it now. Yeah. So. I don't know. I, I might have also just like lot. watched it on my PlayStation instead of my Blu-ray. Um, first world problems. Um, but the PlayStation I think uses a high, a faster frame rate than the Blu-ray does. Yeah. I definitely notice it within the episode, so maybe that changed how I viewed the um, the opening animation as well. Gotcha. Does it have like a soap opera look like to you sometimes, or people are like moving? Yes. Yeah. 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 That's a frame rate change. That's what you're saying mm-hmm. for sure. Tech yep. <laughs> tech problems on Geek Space Nine. Um, but yeah, so what you guys think, of just in terms of the main twist that it was Martok that. That was a changeling, not uh, Gowron. I did not see it coming. I was genuinely Neither surprised. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was clever. I thought it was a nice, yeah. like, because I was like, it's kind of dumb. Like, the changes are really, what we've always appreciated about the changes, they're very nine steps ahead of everybody. So it was, to me, like, I was thinking for a little bit, like, 
when they just let that go? Like that's a big deal. <laughs> like, yeah. You know? yeah. If if you are in control of the Klingon Chancellor, like that's a fucking big deal. You don't tell your guy who gonna let live that you know mm-hmm. yeah, um, it, it was a it was a final it was, it was in a sense a final fuck you to odo to like to, to be like yeah we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna give him the fake plans and like and i and have him ultimately be the reason why we would have moved in and take over yeah and if it was a little bit convoluted it makes sense we're like the ultimate like the perfect version for martok is they would have killed gowron and then they'd be like oh my god he's not a changeling and then he's like Look, the Starfleet have murdered our Chancellor. Now we must definitely yeah. go to war with them and kill right. them all. You know, like it would have been like definitely something they couldn't have come back from. So I thought it was that's what made it really clever to me versus just like it's that other guy. Like it actually did make sense. Absolutely. Do you feel like it was too easy to wrap up? Like, because um, it was all of season four was the Klingon War. And now one episode in, we're like done. Yeah, that's true. I um, I mean, if it weren't for what you read on memory alpha i probably wouldn't believe that it was really and truly wrapped up you know like that they could bring it back and be like oh well there's this other faction they could i don't know for sure still at war yeah and that could happen i don't know for sure i haven't yeah i mean i I would imagine that they would that they would at least like i mean yes like you know the war is is over but i would think that there would at least still be some tensions because it's like because it's like they were both very much on the edge for quite some time and yes you know it's like okay the changelings were the ones manipulating us but there are probably still plenty of those who are like no this still needs to happen why because we hate each other or at the very least have a great dislike for each other so it's like yeah it's, so it's like yeah the war is over but i wouldn't be surprised if it, i mean i mean yes i know that they, I, I know that they want that they want to get back to the conflict with the changelings but i still but i still wouldn't be surprised if like every now and then they just hint at like how you know tensions are still kind of high right and then they end in this nice little bit where gowron is like i'm not giving back that shit i stole <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. i'm not gonna just admit that i was duped you know like that ain't happening so there is still that conflict you know what i mean you're gonna have a Gaza Strip-esque, you know, ter- disputed territories in the future, which could always, always lead to war, you know, so. Yeah. For sure. It's, it's nice that they've left that little nuggets in there and they work just like, you know, aha, we're all friends. <laughs> like, yeah, there is still going to be those tensions for sure, but maybe they'll be more focused on the Dominion, at least in the, the short term. Yeah, they, they will at least mm-hmm. put their, their own, like, personal spats on the back burner for the sake of, like, their entire quadrant's greater per- greater well-being. One thing I enjoyed about this episode is it reminded me a lot of a Firefly episode where it had like, a, we gotta do a mission, you know what I mean? And there was like, we gotta get this thing right here, and we gotta dress up, and you gotta be this character. It reminded me a lot of the, the, the hospital episode when they have to steal from yeah. the hospital and uh, Firefly. Mm. And uh, I, I don't know, that. I just enjoyed that uh, kind of more s- space adventure Going mm. undercover, always just kind of like those storylines. So mm. something really nice. And actually, we'll uh, we'll get to um, the next episode we're talking about in a few minutes. But um, the ship reminded me of like a an original series or a next generation style episode because it's like we are on totally. a planet looking for ore and we are on a runabout and yeah. you know we <laughs> we might get stranded yeah, why are they here. Yeah, on a planet looking for ore. I, I don't know, but we'll, we'll, we'll cross that, that yeah. bridge when we come to it. 
Yeah, what kind of ship is Because I think the ship is interesting because it's set up like a TOS episode and ends like a Deep Space Nine episode. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, that that moral gray area is coming right back. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one was more just like a, there's a bad guy and we got to get him. You know what I mean? Um, it yeah. felt more like a, a classic sort of maybe not completely adventure-y, but kind of had that feel where it was like, you know, he had nice little fun moments with Worf trying to convince Odo to be strong-willed and Odo gets his own strength, you know, to beat up a Klingon (laughs) to succeed. Mm -hmm. And we find out that Odo likes bubbles. I thought that was so cute. (laughs) When he's, you know, they're drinking the Klingon blood wine or whatever it is. He's like, it doesn't have bubbles. I'm like, oh, Odo. (laughs) Like, oh, you sweetheart! I want beer. Why the bubbles, guys? This one, this cider and champagne. God damn it! Yes, <laughs> that's really cute. And cool too. Say, I, I think love... it's good that they're thinking about like what what a person who's never heard or tasted would kind of be fascinated by. Which I like. Right. Yeah. What were you gonna say, sir? Uh, can I just say I loved Avery Brooks as a Klingon. I thought he did such a great job. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's so weird. It's like, like I love him when he's playing a Bond villain. I love him when he's, you know, playing a Klingon. And then when he's playing Captain Sisko, I'm like, he's great, but he does all these other things <laughs> extraordinarily well also. Yeah, it's interesting because he has to play the, the straight man a yeah, lot I of times. It- and he has a deep vein of ham inside of him. He has like a, a well yes. of ham he can come to that is just lovely. And he and does these it episodes so kind well. of bring it out of him. Mm-hmm. You're gonna say something, Peter? No, I was just gonna say like I I, I think I think I think he just I think whenever he gets to play whenever he gets to, whenever he gets to do something where he's not like you know Captain Cisco necessarily I think he just has like oodles and oodles of fun with it because he's sure. like let's just go all in I'm down yeah and I like that it yeah. works too and like that Cisco just likes to play dress up he's just like I like to just be that guy you know and at the end he has that nice little bit where he's like oh I miss the fangs <laughs> yeah which I would have liked if Cisco just kept the fangs for the rest of the series <laughs> even if it would look crazy yep speaking of just nice Jake little moments like it's a really fun doing. <laughs> yes dad stop dad dad take out the grill please oh my god i can handle the bald and the beard but i can't do the fangs man like it's too far <laughs> there's another nice little uh character moment which i really enjoyed which is uh we get a nice little meta joke with uh uh bashir and kira though obviously being that was so Alexander cute Siddique. And not a visitor where she has this nice little thing where she's like, don't forget, this is your fault. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you did this to me. <laughs> and then she goes, there well, was a you moment me around in... and stuff. But it's very clearly. There was a moment in that conversation pretty. where I really just wanted them to kiss. <laughs> like there was, was like, there's, there's actual tension here. I see this. I feel this. You may yeah. not kiss. It's like it all makes Please. sense now. Okay. Yes. <laughs> No, that was really sweet. I was glad they included that little that little bit because obviously, like we said, yeah. the, the actual pregnancy episode was a ridiculous way to explain it. But it's nice. That was a more fun way of being like, "Yeah, this is why this is happening," you know. Yeah. So, is oh, anything else we... to say for apocalypse? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Well, um, so Ducat just blew up a Klingon ship. 
Yeah. He just straight up, that like, no I'm blowing this up. He's a loose cannon. I don't trust him. No, that dude gets zero fucks anymore. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, mm. a minor malfunction. Blam. Yeah, I, yep. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say he's a loose cannon, but like, but dude, I, I would say that being on the run has like made him so much more savage. And like, I am not. I'm not playing around here. I have been trying to survive. I am taking no chances. If I have to, I will kill you. Yeah. Yes. And I also, yeah, he's cold-hearted. Where he's like, I'm just gonna leave you guys because if you fail. You're all dead, and if you succeed, well, you'll probably get a ride home. So, yeah, like, it's like peace. All right, Ducat, thanks a lot. <laughs> really appreciate. I'll see y'all later. Bye. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which, and now that I guess that's a good point. What Ducat gonna do? Because he was like, "I'm gonna fight the Klingons," and now that the war's over. Like, is he gonna? Yeah. Stop, or is he gonna keep killing people? I don't know. Actually, that is a good question. I didn't think of that. I just thought yep. of it now. Like, oh yeah, that's all he was what doing. What is his purpose? Season. He just has a shit job in the Klingon Empire, or the the Cardassian. <laughs> yeah, it's a shit. <laughs> he finds that the war's still going on. He's like, oh boy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was there anything else to say for Apocalypse Rising? No, I think I've Not covered everything. Me. All right. Well, next up is the ship. From Apocalypse Rising to the <laughs> ship. Just the ship. Yeah, just um, but it's a good title. It actually makes more sense than yeah. Apocalypse Rising. Yes, it does. All right. Well, then this episode on a survey mission, as we said in very TOS uh, in start, <laughs> O'Brien and Munez are getting along quite well, while Dax and Cisco explore possible mining locations when they see a Jem'Hadar ship crash land on the planet. They beam there and discover all the Jim'Hadar on board are dead due to an inertial dampener failure. Sisko decides the ship will be valuable to the Federation and calls for the Defiant to come and tow it away. The crew bury the bodies and plan to wait for the Defiant when a Jim'Hadar ship arrives and destroys their runabout, killing all the red shirts on board. The Jim'Hadar beam aboard and begin attacking the crew who retreat into the ship but are surprised the Jem'Hadar do not follow right away and maintain their distance. In the retreat, Munez is shot, but in a non-lethal area. A sexy Vorta named Kalana arrives and demands to speak with Sisko. Sisko states his intentions to take the ship, but Kalana refuses and is willing to let them go with their lives if they just leave the ship entirely. During their discussions, a cloaked Jem'Hadar sneaks aboard. He tries to plant a surveillance device, but is caught by O'Brien and killed by Munez. With that, negotiations break down, and the two sides return to their battlefields. Sisko discovers Munez's wounds is worsening, as the Jem'Hadar bullet had an anticoagulant that is causing Munez to bleed out from a simple wound. Worf tells O'Brien it would be more honorable to kill Munez, to which O'Brien yells at Worf for his inhumanity. Sisko agrees that it's best for Munez for him to keep focused and fighting until help arrives. Kilana agrees to meet Sisko unarmed, and reveals that indeed there is something on the ship that she wants, but Sisko refuses to let her have it without knowing what it is, and Kilana refuses to tell him what she wants. The true retreat again, and Kilana begins bombarding the surface. The bombs are clearly trying to scare the crew off as they aren't aimed at the ship. The crew try frantically to find the source, 
but O'Brien and Worf's bickering and Dax's morbid humor enrages Sisko, who takes command and pushes everyone to their duty, as well as telling Munez it is his duty to survive. The planet is bombarded for ten hours as their efforts to discover the hidden secret of the ship or pilot the ship away both fail. Eventually, Munez dies of his injuries. Sisko is devastated, but is now more determined than ever to get the ship home so the five dead will not have died in vain. Just then, the ceiling begins to melt, revealing the secret. A founder was aboard the whole time in disguise. Having held their shape for too long and injured in the crash, the founder dies, in a scream loud enough to be heard outside the ship. Kalana beams aboard and reveals the Jem'Hadar have killed themselves because they let their god die. She admits she lied about the founders because she thought Sisko would kill them or take them hostage. But Sisko sadly admits that all he ever wanted was the ship. They realize if they had just communicated, Sisko would have released the founder and Kilana would have given them the ship and no one would have died. Sisko allows Kilana to take some of the remains of the founder and she says she hopes the ship was worth it. The Defiant takes the ship to Starfleet, and the Federation are so pleased they award every member of the away team medals. Sisko, however, is devastated by the loss of his men. Dax tries to comfort him that they pledged their lives for the Federation, and the information from the capture of the ship could save many, many lives. Sisko knows this is true, but still wishes it didn't cost five people to die on a desert planet. Meanwhile, O'Brien is sitting over the casket of Munez before the funeral. Worf arrives and notes O'Brien is doing the Klingon tradition of Akmo, where you sit over the corpse of a fallen comrade until their soul passes on. Worf sits with O'Brien, and O'Brien notes Munez would have appreciated the gesture. What do we think of the ship? Well, the emotions are back. <laughs> yeah. Yep, like I said, starts like a TOS episode with like mining stuff, in islands, and then it ends with at what cost? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but at Feelings. what cost? Like it, it is totally a TOS episode where like five people casually die, but at the end they actually give a shit about the five people who actually die. It is right. Yes, really interesting because the thing I will say about TOS when you watch it is like they'll be like, "Sir, twelve people died," and he's like, "Ah, dang, <laughs> what know? a shame." Like, <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> like, there is no sort of... Each season seems to get a little bit more of that. Because I remember there's a really great episode of TNG, the first episode with the Borg, where um, Q takes them out to see the Borg. They get their ass handed to them. I think something like 19 people die. Right. And then they, and then he finally is like, no, Q, let us go back. We are, we are unprepared. And they go back. And he's like, can't you bring the people back? And he's like, no, you wouldn't learn the lesson. And it's like, oh, there's like some weight to that. You know, and I feel like this is a continuation Mm -hmm. of that. But those are my uh, takes on the episode. What did you guys think of this episode? Well, yeah, just to kind of springboard off of that, that scene at the end where um, Cisco is talking to Dax about the five people who have died is just such a beautiful scene. Where it's like, you know, yeah, like you said, you know, at what cost? And you you said it kind of ironically, but really that's that's how it happened. Well, I, and, I truly was you know, moved the, by that sequence, yeah. I oh, yeah. To be clear, I'm not, I think this episode's fantastic. No, I, think we all I just was making a little joke, but continue. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. And, um, no, I, uh, I love that this, this was all just over a, you know, we weren't willing to talk about it and lots of people died on both sides and if we had just sat down and been like look 
We want this, you want this, okay? Cool, let's do it. Then no yeah. one would have had to die. Yeah, like. But no. Right. It, it's it's like it's like when you have that middle ground of of no of no man's land that neither side is really willing to cross to like and like to um blah 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 no no one's really no one's like willing to cross or or, or like or or even even in, even in our own government in the states where it's like yes let's reach across the aisle so we can both talk but no one's actually willing to do it and it's like this is what happens when people aren't willing to talk. Yeah, no, that's what makes this episode so good. It, it could just be sort of a classic filler episode of, you know, some action, some stuff. And there was some good... There's nothing wrong with that. I thought the, the claustrophobia this episode, we'll talk a little more of that, I thought was really excellent. But uh, but the end is what makes it really clever. The fact that they both realized, oh my god, we could have stopped all of this. You know what I mean? Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you're right. I think it gets to a heart, which is that when you view someone as an enemy you view everything they do as a trap. You know what I mean? And, right. and both sides viewed like, well, whatever they're going to do is going to be trying to murder us or get a hold of us. Like That's what she said. Where she's like, well, I thought if you knew there's a founder on board, you'd be like strategic opportunity. I'm going to steal him. I'm going to murder him. I'm going to hold him hostage or something better. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. ultimately because she just assumed that she doesn't understand that all Cisco wants is just damn ship, which they have a million of and, you know, it's fine. I mean, there's like their own reasons for not having the ship, but like they would rather have the founder than the ship. You know what I mean? And right. they could have reached a compromise, but because of the arrogance of viewing the enemy as always the enemy kept them from that. And I think that's a very powerful message. And I get now, like when people say DS9 is one of the best shows about war, I think it's episodes like this that are why I think people feel that way. Yeah, yeah. Also, Kalana was very attractive. <laughs> she want to talk about I Kalana? I was waiting Rupert. for you to bring that up. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to throw it into the. Uh, she was the gorgeous. Show. I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's, she had that really that was it. Too, I, so. There's there's no point to this. It's just she was she was very pretty. <laughs> Sarah's like. I liked sexy her uh, <laughs> wardrobe choices. <laughs> <laughs> wardrobe i'm I'm over here you can't see this i'm vigorously drinking wine it's fine (laughs) that sentence could have gone a different way i'm on board with this (laughs) so much uh sarah you're the best one thing i i did really enjoy with this episode was the i thought the lighting and the camera work was really good i feel like the i have to look at the director of this episode kim friedman uh i felt like um sex on this one hmm? yes I felt like she did a really good job um, giving a sense of space and a sense of claustrophobia and just sort of classic alien style lighting and uh, cinematography which I really enjoyed yeah because because whenever whenever they were in like like I guess I guess you could call it the main room that that's the best that's the best word I have for it at, at this moment um, uh, on, on the on the ship like just with ev- like with, with all with all of the panels that were on the ceiling and just the dead Jem Hadar in there with them and they're trying to figure oh, that's it out. Good. It's like that's creepy. You really felt like okay, we're in a very tight space and and like from what they showed from what they showed us of the inside, it was like just that room and like that little bit of the hallway, that little bit of the hallway outside of that room, and it's like that's all we're getting. 
Yeah, and it's a, it's a limited space. I mean, it's you know it's a classic Star Trek problem, but it never felt like it was. Um, it worked to its advantage in this episode, where it felt like you know it's just a small little ship, and they only have so far to go, and they can't leave the uh, the station. I felt like both sides had a good sense of uh, power over the other. You know what I mean? Where the mm-hmm. the Jem'Hadar right. could bomb the entire planet, but they couldn't get inside for a reason. I felt like that just made for a very good tension. Like it was a good setup. Agreed. Just this is my hot and bothered moment. I just want to mention, but when Cisco yelled at everyone, I was like, "Oh, yes, sir." Got <laughs> <laughs> the power. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Though, whenever someone I, uh, yells at Dax, I'm like, "Oh, don't yell at Dax." Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There's there's a moment. I went in my notes for this episode. I wrote, "Worf, please just give Dax a hug." Oh, I know. Because <laughs> I felt like she needed it. <laughs> Speaking of moving on, like, when are we gonna get that ship going? Like we, this ship Please. needs to sail already. Like, mm-hmm. It's been docked. Speaking of ships, <laughs> like, speaking of ships, I knew <laughs> that he was gonna die, but I shipped Miles and Enrique for just for a hot second. Oh, <laughs> right, cute. same. Come on, yeah. like, okay, good. I'm glad it wasn't just me. Yep. Yeah. If it was like, for Keiko, you know, Miles be, and Keiko for life, but yeah. <laughs> But yeah, they had a good bromance going on, which was nice. It was nice sort of like uh even though you're no. right, like no, no, as soon no, as move. I saw him having a full story, because he's been in the background a few episodes here and there and like oh, minor yeah. roles. But once I saw his main character being addressed by name, I was like, Oh, you're dead. I'm you're so like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. You're wearing yellow, but you're dead. Yeah. Same for the but pilot yeah, if, of the uh it... the runabout. I was like, You're dead, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, which I, by the way, an interesting continuity. It's like this beginning of a relationship. Mm-hmm. But uh, speaking of the pilot of the runabout, interesting continuity thing. Um, uh, she was a Benzite officer. I know this because I watched an episode of The Next Generation recently, which had uh, Mendon, who is a Benzite ensign. And um, mm, okay. in The Next Generation, the Benzites have this respirator thing on their chest. Presumably they, their atmosphere isn't 100% compatible with you know, the atmosphere that humans breathe, so they need this thing. Um, but she did not have a respirator. And uh, Ben, I think you did a little bit of research on that. Uh, yeah, uh, let's see if I can pull up the uh, the exact quote. Um, yes, Mike Okuda explains the absence of the apparatus by pointing out there's some advances in, there's been some advances in Benzite technology, to which I tweeted to Sarah, they forgot. <laughs> that's what that means. They forgot, exactly. <laughs> they totally forgot that that's okay. what those are supposed to look like. <laughs> but it was so funny because I think I watched um, that particular Next Generation episode immediately before I watched this episode or maybe like the day before. And so I was like, hey, I recognize that makeup. You're a Benzite. Where's your respirator? Because <laughs> I'm a nerd and I notice these things. Hmm. Speaking of Worf, since we had our problem in this episode, I felt like it was good here. It was. It reminded me of a TOS episode, which I can't remember the name. I'm so sorry, but there's an episode where Spock is on the way mission, and there's this whole thing where he has to keep the people inside to keep them alive, and they're all like, "We need to go bury people because it's like our tradition." And Spock is like, "No, logic. <laughs> you know, logic says that's dumb." And everyone's like, "You inhuman monster!" Um, and and I felt like there was a nice sort of tension here, and I feel like O'Brien and Worf was a good pairing in this episode. Because I think Worf was kind of ultimately right in some ways. And whether you believe in the Klingon tradition or not, he was right that Mina inevitably died. 
And so I think there was a nice payoff to that at the end of the episode, which I really liked as well. Like it wasn't just them arguing, but I liked that there was a nice sort of coming together that even if they disagreed what to do with an injured person, they both agreed that death sucks and that you should respect the dead. And they both sort of came together in that interesting tradition, which I thought was was nice. It was a nice yeah. use of Worf since I, we've been so frustrated with him. I thought it was a very good use of Worf in this particular episode. I agree, but to bounce off of that just a little bit, um, when Worf was being all like, no, you need he needs to accept death and die like a warrior and all this, it feels like Worf is acting more Klingon than he did throughout most of the next generation. His Klingonness does vary sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, I mean, well, let me put it another way. It feels like the Deep Space Nine writers are using his Klingonness to make him really, really different from the rest of the crew when I feel like that might not necessarily be accurate considering the fact that he has served with a largely human crew for the last, what, however long Next Gen lasted. Right, I mean, it just seems unrealistic to me. Is was what I'm saying. No, I think it's totally fair. I think Worf is always that child of two worlds thing. So when he has to be more Klingon for an episode, they'll make him more Klingon, and when he needs to be more human against Klingons, they'll make him more human. You know what I mean? He is sort of yeah, malleable. They, I feel in that way. And they could all. They it could just sort of surprised me that he wouldn't understand the human attitude towards death by this point. True. I mean, I mean, they they could also use the excuse that you know, coming off of, of Apocalypse Rising, it's like, well, he was just completely surrounded by a bunch of Klingons for like a day and a half, so you know. Well, true, but let's be real. How often does Deep Space Nine really have episode to episode continuity? Oh no, I totally agree. But it's just like, eh. I mean, I mean, like it, it's it's like it's like in, in the in the same way that the, in the same way that 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 they. That, for the for the for the benzite breathing apparatus, it's like we forgot. It's like they could totally come back and just be like, he was surrounded by Klingons yesterday. He's like he's like high off of that. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Right. I get what you're saying. But I also totally agree with you. <laughs> okay. Cool. We're on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> Communication. <laughs> Let's work. <together>. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we've learned today. Mm. Yeah, that's what I appreciate about it. It could have been a um, a Sesame Street level dumb theme. You know what I mean? Like, not that Sesame <laughs> Street doesn't have its value, but you know, it could have been very childish. I guess what I'm saying with like, a, if we had just worked together, but it 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 isn't that TOS style. Is what I'm saying. It, it feels like it could yeah. have had a a Kirk speech. You know what I mean? Yes. Like the Gorn episode of "I will not kill him." You hear me? You know, there isn't that sort of... It is quieter and sadder and more realistic, I feel like. And that's, I think, yeah. one of the reasons I feel people appreciate DS9 and why I appreciate DS9 is those quiet moments where he's like, you know... Where he has that nice little moment where he's like, now I have to get this fucking ship because I can't let five people have died for no reason. Like, now right. it's that's right. more. Like, it's an interesting way of looking at war, which I never thought about, which is like, well, when people have died trying to do something you want to do that thing even more because it's like, now I can't have tell five people their family died for a ship. We didn't bring home. You know what I mean? And I think that's a really interesting view of command and, and moments like that are why these episodes really resonate with me. And I really appreciate them. If it isn't the mm-hmm. fun Star Trek, you know, of the past always, though it is sometimes. It can be. Yeah. They still have their fun episodes. 
Was there anything yeah. else to say for the ship? Not for me. Nope, I covered every single one of my notes. Oh, Except for, awesome. you know, the drooly face for messy hair, Dax. Now I've covered all of my notes. It's <laughs> like, eh, there we go. As we said, when she has yeah. like a Colby Smolders this haircut, it usually works for her. Yeah, yes. she does. I was thinking that. Yeah, the more Colby Smoldersy she looks, she looks works. It works. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that has been our episode. Next week we will be discussing season five, episode three, and episode four, which are the very long titles of "Looking for Parmach in All the Wrong Places" and <laughs> "Nor the Battle to the Strong." As always, I want to thank my lovely co-host for joining me every week on this journey. Our theme song is by Captain Meat Shield. You can check him out on Twitter at CPTN underscore Meat Shield. Our awesome artwork is by Joe Bowen. We are a part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuscanShed.com. If you like the show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It helps new listeners discover our show. Until next time, this is the crew of Geekspace 9 signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening.